Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Beauty Talk. I'm your host, Janice Tanau, for today, Sunday, November 8th. Welcome to the show, you guys. We are excited about tonight's show and tonight's guest. But first, I'm going to turn it over to Denise for um, some beauty news. Uh, good evening, everyone, and thank you guys for joining us tonight um, on Beauty Talk. Uh, just really quickly, Um, Besides being here live online tonight and online, we will be over on Twitter for Tweet Chat, and we are beauty underscore talk on Twitter. Again, that's beauty underscore talk, and we will be using the hashtag uh, beauty talk as well as the definition of beauty. So, again, that's the hashtag beauty talk and the definition of beauty. Just really quickly, I wanted to... um, Talk a little bit about Bobby Brown, one of my favorite people, one of my favorite makeup artists. Um, Bobby Brown uh, founded, you know, she's formerly of Bobby Brown Cosmetics. Um, and if you remember, Bobby Brown sold her cosmetics line back in um, 1995. She started the line back in the 80s and she sold Bobby Brown Cosmetics to Estee Lauder back in 1995, but she officially. Um, left the brand in 2016. But she founded a new line, um, it's a clean beauty line called Jones Road Beauty. Again, Jones Road Beauty. She got the name from um, a street actually in the Hamptons. Um, She saw the name of the street and, and during the time when she was looking for a name for her new brand and she loved it, so she kept it. 
So again, it's called Jones Road Beauty. And when Bobby created this line, it was on the philosophy that the world doesn't need more beauty products, but it just needed better beauty products. And so she created this clean, strategic, um, high-grade formulations that work on every skin tone and that are simple to use. And if you're familiar with Bobby Brown Cosmetics and, and her philosophy for that line and how she worked, you know, Bobby was good about, of course, using tools, but she was good about using fingers, having products that you could use on cheeks, lips, and eyes, you know, things like that. And so that's kind of the same philosophy and same concepts that she's bringing into this new line, uh, Jones Beauty. And you can follow um, Jones Beauty, I'm sorry, Jones Road Beauty on Instagram. She's Jones Road Beauty. And then you can also check out her website, jonesroadbeauty.com. All right. I um, just want to remind everybody, if you have a comment or a question for tonight's show or tonight's guest, you can give us a call at 914-803-4399. Again, that's 914-803-4399. And just a quick, um, quick note really quickly. Um, I've been announcing about the ISSE show that's normally in Long Beach every January. I've been giving out dates for that. And just to let everyone know, they have to de- have decided to go to a 100% digital experience next year. So now the new dates are March 14th through 16th of 2021. Again, that's March 14th through the 16th of 2021 for ISSE digital experience. Also, um, I announced that 2021 was going to be the first year that the Naha Awards would be joined in with ISSE. Well, now that there's a change to 100% digital, NAHA will remain um, an in-person event. So what they're doing is they're now moving NAHA to the North American, um, the Cosmoprof North American um, show in Las Vegas in June of 2021. So now NAHA is, um, is going to be at uh, Cosmoprof North America, Las Vegas, June 27th through um, June 27th on um, next year, and then ISSE goes 100% virtual March 14th through 16th um, of next year. Pre uh, pre-sale tickets go on sale January 4th, and then regular registration is January 5th. Again member pre-sale tickets January 4th, and then regular registration is January 5th. I don't have information on, you know, what the cost is. So if you are interested, if you're a member or a non-member looking for cost, you can just go to the website, probeauty.org. Again, that's probeauty.org. And again, that's um, ISSE. March 14th through the 16th of 2021. Um, And then NAHA will be in Las Vegas this year, June 27th through the 21st, an in-person event. That's the actual award ceremony. NAHA entry closes this month, November 18th, so you have 10 days to enter. And then the NAHA finalist announcement will be made January 14th of 2021. Okay, so if you want to enter Naha, you have eight more days to enter. Okay, but again, you can go to probeauty.org for all information if you have questions. 
All right. And again, one more time, the call-in number for tonight's show is 914-803-4399. If you have comments or questions, we are excited because our guest tonight is actress, entertainer, and comedian, Ms. Mara Hall. Welcome to the show, Mara. Hello. Thank you for having me. How you guys doing? I was muted. Good. How are you? How are you? You know what? I'm tired. I'm T I red, tired, 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 tired. I can imagine. You know, I'm over here. I'm over here wrangling a toddler. So you know. Yes. <laughs> Oh my goodness! I can imagine that you are wrangling a toddler, and you know it's so funny because, well, no, what what is this? This is November, so no, I can't say that. I think the last time I saw you, um, but Marley wasn't with you. But the last time I saw Marley, she was a whole lot younger than she is now. She wasn't walking, right? No, she wasn't. Maybe she was maybe six or seven or eight months, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. something like that. So yeah. how is this, Marla? <laughs> you know, she is turning into her triumphant two. She's almost two years old. She's coming close to it. So uh, <laughs> she is testing the waters and trying to work my nerves. And I'm, I am here for all the smoke. All of it. Bring it, little muffin. I'm Bring ready for it. you. So, mhm, mhm. Just trying to, just trying to wrangle and tangle her to make sure she's mm-hmm. respectful. Right. Even though she's going through that, she still has to know there's boundaries. Yes, absolutely. So let me go back just a little bit. Why don't you introduce yourself to our listening audience? Hi, listening audience. My name is Mara Jean. So fresh and so clean. No, I'm just joking. Uh, my name is Mara Hall. <laughs> I am a fantabulous actress hailing from the great motor city of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, I've been a wonderful actress for the past 12 years. You've seen me on ABC's Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, uh, Nickelodeon's Victorious, Bell and the Bulldogs. And recently, you've seen me on the hit Oprah Winfrey Network show, Ambitions, as the cousin you'd love to hate, Miss Darcia Lancaster. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this cousin, oh my God. I can't even, I can't even say everybody, I can't even say everybody has a cousin like that. Yeah, she was a little trifling. And you know what's really interesting is that I didn't really understand that I was the villain until, like, the show came on. I thought I was justified in everything that I was doing, I, you know, because that's how much in tune I was with the character. Because I was like, she's fighting for what she believes is right. So I didn't know I was mm-hmm. a super villain until people said they wanted to fight me. I hate your character. I want to fight you. I was like, whoa, whoa, my name is Mara. Not dirty. Right, right. Relax. <laughs> I had no oh clue. My no clue. I mean, how do you deal with that though? When when people begin to think, well, I guess maybe Darcia is is probably as far as you went to the other side with characters. No, I've um, 
mm-hmm. I've played some some street urchins before. Yeah, she she's okay, the no longest you were good character. At <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was on the quad. I played a, a girl that was in the jail that was trying to steal a Nika Noni Rose's shoes. So that one that character was rougher than Darcia. So yeah, okay, and and it's cool too. Like when people. You know when they when they come up to me and they say those things, it's a true testament of my uh, my acting craft and my acumen how how good of an actor yeah. I am that they yeah. they hated me they hated my character so much that they want to fight me in real life. That means I did my job very well. So um, right, a little too well, <laughs> a little too well, right? <laughs> too well. <laughs> so what do you Don't think? Hurt my mom. What have you what been you working on? Said, what have you I been said, working don't on? Don't hurt my Mara. Right, <laughs> right. It's, it's Mara. I was, I was playing the characters. Mara is cool. Darcia, that was Darcia. That's totally different. Right, right. Yeah, I know you got what I'm saying. I don't want, I don't want them to hurt my Mara. Out me. Oh no, they won't. You, no, I, yeah, okay. I'm just uh-uh. I get them together. I get them together real fast. I was like, hey, 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 time out. Hello, hello. My name's Mara. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mara. Thanks. Relax. It was just a TV show. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, what yeah. have you been working on since Ambition? I've been working on a few projects. I have actually three movies that are coming out, um, which is a blessing. I uh, filmed a movie called Collection. Uh, with who is directed by Mariana Palka. She was one of the stars of the Netflix show Glow. Um, and also Alex Pettifer, he was the star of the movie I Am Number 4. So I don't know when that's coming out. It, it, they don't have a release date yet, but that was an amazing movie that I filmed in Alabama. Then I uh, have a movie coming out November 20th on Lifetime called A Taste of Christmas where uh, it's going to be on Lifetime. Just, you know, one of those wonderful Lifetime movies starring um, – yeah. Oh, oh, his name is Gills Marini. He was the the guy that was naked on uh, Sex in the City with <laughs> Samantha, Samantha's character, mm-hmm. and also um, the lady from My Big Fat Greek Wedding. She's also starring in the movie, so that's cool. And then the most fabulous movie that I've coming out is called Hillbilly Elegy, which is directed by Ron Howard. That doesn't have a release date yet, but it has Oscar Buzz already. Um, Glenn Close is in it, and so is Amy Adams. So I'm excited about that. Oh, nice. Really nice. Yes. Yes. And that's what I've been doing in regards to, to acting. But, you know, with COVID-19, it really taught me the art of pivoting and starting over and trying new things and building and starting new chapters. So I also have an online acting class that I teach people who don't know anything about the entertainment industry how to book jobs on TV and film. It's called the Co-Star Master Class with Mara Hall. Mm-hmm. You can find that on my website, www.marahall.com. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. What, what, one of the, what did you say is one of the most important things that actors need to know about co-stars? Um, that it's not about them. It's about mm-hmm. everybody else in the scene or in the movie. You just go there to say your line and you get on up out of there. Say it, move. It's mm-hmm. not about you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
And I, I, you know, I learned that from taking a casting director workshop with Jamie Castro in Los Angeles. She is the casting director for Scandal and for Grey's Anatomy and just everything in Shondaland she pretty much does. And I took a workshop with her, and that was the catalyst that got me the job on Grey's Anatomy, where I recurred on there as a co-star actress for seven episodes throughout three seasons. So just that little mm-hmm. tidbit was the reason why I was on that show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. Nice. So let's go back a little bit to when things shut down for COVID-19. I know you said you had to pivot and you had to do some things differently, um, but how was it when you um, when you started going back to work? How did things change for you um, on set when you started to go back to work? Well, you know, I haven't. I've only filmed one project since um, COVID mm-hmm. started, okay, and that was in June. Yeah, I I filmed the last. I filmed Hillbilly Elegy right before, like the week before everything was shut down for COVID. So I've only okay. done one project since mm-hmm, since COVID has started, and that was really really interesting and really annoying as well because it's very difficult being in Atlanta you know, climate, having on masks and like, ugh, it's just, it's hot. I'm sweating. That was really, really difficult for me. Um, and then we're mm-hmm. outside and just, you know, I sweat a lot. So that was really, really tedious for me. And also, you know, I've, when I, when I commit to acting, I really, really put my all into it and I really put my best foot forward. So COVID-19 gave me a chance to breathe and relax and like get back to normal and get out of the hustle and bustle of Hollywood. So it's always like, such a grind and always you looking for your next job. And, you know, Kobe gave me t- a time to just relax and not have to worry about acting anymore. Now that everything is picking up, it's been a challenge because my skills are a little rusty and it's really, really difficult um, wrangling my daughter and then trying to do auditions too, because you have to put them on tape and it's just, it, everything is not the same, so it's, it's a little bit more difficult and challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Do you think um, when things finally turn around, do you think um, when it comes to actors and auditioning, do you think they'll still lean toward more of the of the uh, uh, doing your auditions on tape? Do you think that that'll, it'll still be like, you know, I'm sure right now that is kind of, really heavy with people submitting, you know, auditions on tape. I know it's something that they've done for years, but I'm pretty sure it was just like the only way during, you know, for a while. Do you think they'll continue Mm -hmm. in that way um, when things turn around? I think so, because I, what'd you say? I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm just, I'm still expecting like when things turn around, I really do believe people will still be working from home. You know, like, I feel like, some people at some jobs have probably got so much more done working at home, and I'm pretty sure that um, a lot of companies are still going to allow people to work from home because people seem to be more productive. And um, So I was just wondering, mm-hmm. you know, how you thought the audition process would be. Well, you know, pretty much in the southeast where um, I'm based now in Atlanta, that's most of the auditions were all on tape before COVID. So in LA, it's not like that. You, you go in for the auditions, but I don't think LA is going to stay with the taped auditions. They're more so, you know, you go in, 
you know, you'll have the whole room experience. I think they'll go back to that. I think the Southeast will stay on tape, but not so much L.A. And it might be like a hybrid of both, but I know that it's probably easier for casting directors to just get tapes instead of setting up sessions mm-hmm. and seeing people live. It's easier, mm-hmm. more convenient, too. Yeah. For them, it's not easier for the actors because we, when we have to put things on tape, you have to be completely off book and amazing and phenomenal in your read on that camera. So it's it's a wow. lot more work for us to put in, yeah, than going in to the auditions, putting them on tape. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Wow, didn't know realize that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really, it's really kind of like it, it's. It, like I talk to my actor friends about it because you just have to be like perfect and that's not fair. Like when you're auditioning, you shouldn't be perfect in an audition. You should be close, but you shouldn't be perfect. Perfect. So it, it, right. it ups the stakes and it makes it more challenging and tedious for us. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk a little bit about um, this country and where we are. Not, I'm not talking about the election yet, but just in general, what are your thoughts about all that has taken place this year? Um, COVID, I mean, from the beginning of the year up until now, what are your thoughts about where we are in this country? You know, I, I think it's horrible um, that there are so many evil people in this country that have such evil beliefs that they would go to such lengths that they're going to now to affect people of color. Um, I, I, I just, I just cringe at the idea of so many blatant races, so many blatant bigots, so many sexes, so many, just all the evil words that you can think of that the people have really, the ugliness in these people have really shown and reared their heads. And it's just very unfortunate. And it makes me worry about my daughter and what's going to happen to her 20 years from now. Cause it's, tw- it's literally 2020. And if we didn't have phones and technology, like, because all of this stuff has been happening before now, it's just, it wasn't televised. Right. So, exactly. so it just, yeah, like social media and phones and, and all of the technology that's out here right now have made it to put everything just pretty much on, on Main Street for everyone to see all of the negativity and everything that people are doing wrong in this country. Um, it's just really, really sad that people don't take the time to, you know, embrace our differences and love thy neighbor and just be kind to one another. It's just really, really sad, and it's, it really troubles me, and it worries me, because I know as African-American women in the way that I was raised in Detroit, Michigan, we don't, we don't roll like that. We love everybody, you know, and that was mm-hmm. one of the great things for me growing up in Detroit where we had all facets of African-American society from the highest of the high to the lowest of the low. So if, if you can accept yourself and your people, you can accept everybody, and so I'm just happy that I was raised like that, but everybody else wasn't. So um, it's just a sad situation, and thank God for our new president and vice president, my source, um, elect that are there to, to get us back on track because we have been in some pure foolery for 2020. Right. Absolutely. Right. And it's gonna, and I know it's gonna take time to really get things back on track. Um, but again, like you said, I'm just thankful for new leadership. Um, mm-hmm. And let we can just start with that. 
Um, so let's talk about Ms. Kamala Harris um, being our first black and female vice president. Um, how does that make you feel? I know she's a Soro, but how does that make you feel that she's a woman and she's black? Um, it, it It's empowering for me. It's It's motivational for me. It's like a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for me. Uh, just that you can, there's now, we, we already had a first, our first African-American president, but now we have our first African-American and South Indian vice president, and she's a woman, and it's just like, you know, the sky's the limit. You can do whatever you put your mind to, and she's an example of that. And, I mean, it's just a great feeling. And, and let, let, let's just be truthful. She is a bad woman. She's a phenomenal woman. Just all of the things that she's accomplished. She's an HBCU graduate. She went to Howard University. I'm an HBCU graduate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all of that is just amazing. And I just love the fact that she is there and she is representing for us. And also, you know, she's a person who in her former career made some mistakes, but she has learned from those mistakes and she's moving forward to be a better person and a better representative for our country. So I'm just super duper excited and super duper happy that she is, that they won the election. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just, I'm really happy about it because, you know, little, little black girls like my 11 year old niece or your almost two year old Marley can, mm-hmm can see what they can possibly become. You know, a lot of times people don't mm-hmm. realize what they can aspire to be because they've never seen it. You know, mm-hmm. seeing somebody occupy that position, somebody that looks like them. So, but not right. only that, I'm happy because she's a woman because it's not just little black girls looking at her, but you have right. grown women. Yeah, little girls. Of Mm-hmm. So, and little girls, period. All girls. Little girls, period. Girls. And then, and then, adult women of of various races who are so proud of the fact that, you know, this is a woman in this position. Something that people mm-hmm. never even, well, some like little kids may have never even thought that a woman could occupy this position. So I know it, it gives all females hope. Um, so yes. that's one of the things I'm really, really excited about. Um, Excited about it. Um, how do you th- what do you think? Let me see. How do I want to do this question? I'm trying to think how I want to word this question. Just let it rip. <laughs> Just let it rip. <laughs> Um, I guess I guess I probably kind of just answered it. I just wanted to just I was just going to say how important is it is it for young you know black and brown girls not only in this country but around the world. How how do you think black and girl countries around the world do um, do this win for Kamala? Uh, they view it as like what you just said is just empowerment, you know, just we can do, we can do anything we put our mind to. If she made it, yes, we can, we can make it. Um, Just being able to see a reflection of yourself on TV, in the public office, making changes, doing everything that you need to do to be great and just exuding excellence at all levels is letting all, 
all girls from all around the world know that they can do anything they put their mind to if they work hard, if they never give up, if they put in the work and just make it happen. So I just think it's 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 a, a wake-up call and a, a wonderful, empowering moment in history and time that we are we are women, we're strong, hear us roar. Right, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I just want to I want to I want to go back a little bit also because we we did a series um, of shows on diversity. Um, you are a black actress, um, mm-hmm. so I just want to know, in your opinion, where do you think Hollywood is right now in terms of diversity, and then where do you think they were? let's say, last year at this time um, in terms of diversity and entertainment? Well, I, I think, like, right now, because of everything that has happened in this country, everything with COVID and just all of the blatant racism that we've seen and um, everything that's happened to Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, you know, Hollywood is rushing or has been rushing to create diversity quickly, all of a sudden, having all these programs and things of that nature going on, whereas a year ago, they didn't really care about any of that. They didn't care about if if women or or minorities were represented on TV and film, behind the scenes, in front of the camera. They didn't really care. So now, because everything is under a microscope, there are a lot of opportunities, a lot more opportunities. And some of them, in my own personal opinion, might not be honest, true opportunities. They're just scrambling to say, oh, yeah, we're diverse. We're, we ha- we've created programs. I don't know if it's authentic. I think some people are still stuck in their ways where, you know, unfortunately Hollywood is, you know, um, a good old boys club pretty much, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the people that are in Hollywood behind the scenes in front of the camp, like when we go on, I mean, at Atlanta is Wakanda. It is, but when I'm in L.A., I'm usually the only African-American on set, period, on on, on camera and behind the scenes. So um, wow. it's rare that you see not only black people, but I'm talking about Indian people, um, Hispanic, Latino, um, Asian, nobody. It's all white, and it's usually all white men. So that's been the unfortunate truth, but I think they're creating opportunities and programs to, to filter in more diversity, but I think it's a day late and a dollar short, in my own personal opinion. But right. I hope they do better and, and continue to create more opportunities, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, have mm. you had the problem, have you had the issue of, um, you know, going on set and no one being available that could that could do your hair um, um, or your makeup? Have you ever experienced anything like that? Um, off the top of my head, no. I just, when I'm on set and I'm, like, in a character and I'm, like, not the main person, I really don't care. It's like, do whatever you got to do. I'm here to do a job. It doesn't really matter. Let's keep it going. Um, so that hasn't really happened to me. And I've been blessed to have, like, if I did have white people that did my hair or did my makeup, they could do hair and makeup for the most part. So uh, that was the one thing. I know I, I did a lead in a movie, and I actually got, like, a weave done so that the hairstylist wouldn't have to style my own hair. So that was interesting. But I just know a lot of times they're not well-versed on African-American hair or ethnic hair 
and and they're not taught how to do that, which is unfortunate. You know, whereas African Americans, we know how to do everything. You know, if we're doing hair or doing makeup, and I just think that that the bar needs to be set higher for our um, Caucasian counterparts that are in hair and makeup. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I've, we've been on, um, throughout this whole thing, we've been on so many different Zoom calls throughout this whole COVID season, you know, either talking about getting back to work or talking about um, diversity and racism and things like that. And, and it's like every time we have a conversation uh, about makeup artistry and diversity and um and things like that and representation on the on the hair and makeup trailer or in the hair and makeup department, you know, it, we always get back to the conversation of, um, you know, makeup artists knowing how to do all skin tones and things like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what comes up what comes up all the time is, well, what's been coming up lately um, is that we should be uh, training um, the makeup artists that, that – that are not familiar with our skin tones, um, that we should be training them on our skin tones and I, so that we can level the playing field. So I get all of that. But to me, mm-hmm. when, when I started out in this business, nobody took the time to train me on anything. I had to learn it. Right. I had to, yeah. I had to learn it by, by practicing and I had to learn mm-hmm. it by actually on-the-job experience working. But the, the best way for me to learn it is to have the proper tools. So if I'm going to call myself a makeup artist and I'm going to have uh, a makeup kit, so when I'm called to do a job, it doesn't matter who's on the job, I have a kit and I'm prepared to do anybody and everybody. But that's not mm-hmm. what you're finding all the time. You're not finding white makeup artists who are, who are carrying around foundation colors for darker skin tones. And so I right. feel like that's my responsibility to train them. Exactly. Exactly. Like exactly. when did that become my responsibility? Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. want to learn how to do it, then, then, you know, you have to put forth the effort to learn how to do it. But not just that, I don't think you should be getting hired um, to work in department head shows that, you can't do the job. And, and, exactly. and, I, and a, lot of, a lot of people will just normally say, well, you know, hire the, if you can't, and I heard it today on another Zoom, if, if you can't, if you can't, you know, if you don't know how to do it, then um, hire somebody that can. Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. You want to get the job done. But my whole thing is why are you being hired as the department head of a show with all black actors and you can't do not one of them? Exactly. And, and so, you know, it needs to be some training. I think that should be mandated probably through you guys' union, that there has to be some diversity classes or diversity training where you need to know how to do ethnic hair. You need to have some training in ethnic hair or ethnic makeup, period. And, you know, that's, there where, way- that's, where, that's where it's going. It's going to that. But I just feel like as an artist, you should want to know that anyway. Mm-hmm. And you should, mm-hmm. you, should mm-hmm. be make, you should be taking the steps to, to learning that, you should have done that from the very beginning. Like you're a makeup artist, you're a hairstylist. Why why don't you at least have a somewhat working knowledge of that? Exactly, exactly. 
Exactly. I agree. I agree. But, you know, who knows if we'll get to um, get to a time and place where, you know, everybody's equally trained and can do, you know, and can do anything. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's just mm-hmm. my little two cents on that, on that area of diversity. And I appreciate so it. Yeah, good, good. I'm glad you do. Um, <laughs> but let me ask you. Well, you know what? Going back to that, I'm glad you do appreciate it. So that if you ever get on the show, and there's um, and you're and you know and because of the fact that you have to, you have yourself a weave so that it wouldn't be an issue for somebody to do your hair. Right. That shouldn't have to be the case. So if you're right. going forward, right. if you're if you're ever on the show. And somebody there can't do your hair or can't do your makeup. I'm expecting you to speak up and to say something. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will. <laughs> yeah, because no because worries. the thing is, yeah. when when actors when actors stay quiet about that type of thing, nothing ever gets done, and it continues to happen. And you have you have people of color sitting on the sidelines wishing that they could get a job. But they're sitting at they're talented and they're sitting at home, but they're not working because you know maybe a white makeup artist or a white hairstylist is department head in that show or on that show, but yet they don't know how to do the work. So we need actors to start speaking up and continue speaking up about it and demanding you know more representation in the hair and makeup trailers and on set. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, and I know it will come a time where I do have my own show. That's what I'm working on now, so that that will won't even be a question from off jump. That's exactly mm-hmm. what's going on. Mhm. So let's dive into into tonight's um, tonight's topic. Tell us, Mara, what is your definition of beauty? My definition of beauty is. Self-love, self-love, looking from the inside out, um, looking in the mirror and knowing that you exude confidence, you exude beauty, you exude exude poise, you exude grace, and it all comes from within. It took me a very, very, very long time to realize that, um, that my beauty comes from the inside out. And that if I don't love myself and I don't accept myself and validate myself and affirm myself, no one else will. So my definition of beauty is loving Mara, having self-love for Mara. And because I love Mara, other people can love Mara. So that is what my definition of beauty is. You must have known what my next question was going to be because I was going to ask you how long, you know, how long did it take for you to get to get to that point? Um, what do you think made you finally realize that? Like, what, what, what was it? And, and, and what was your thinking before you realized that? Like, what was your thinking? Well, you know, I grew up having very, very, very low self-esteem, like, when mm-hmm. it came to my beauty and when it came to regards to men, because I was always plus-sized. And as mm-hmm. a child, I was, you know, ridiculed and called out my name my entire life you know always had to like learn how to how to Joan and play the dozens with people because they would come for me like about my weight so that really Mm -hmm. affected me and 
uh, when I got to college, the first – when it came to, like, academics and schoolwork, I was good. But when it came to, like, just self-confidence and self-worth mm-hmm. outside of that, I, it was not high. And so my first um, glance into gaining self-confidence was when I was in college at Jackson State University. Shout out to Jackson State, HBCU love, boom, boom. Um, I was on the, <laughs> the modeling squad called the Insatiable Modeling Squad, and we had a category called the Brick Houses, which were the plus-size models. And mm-hmm. we would always get the most house or the most applaud out of any other um, sections of the of the modeling squad. And that was my first taste, like, oh, you can be plus size and still rock it and, and, and be that deal. That was my first glance, but that wasn't enough. So, you know, it wasn't until like I was around 32 when I was on a TV show called Dance Your Ass Off on Oxygen. And I um, had lost all, like lost a lot, a lot of weight. And I was still like looking in the mirror and I was like, oh my God, I'm still too fat. And I, I need to, you know, lose more weight. And so my inner wasn't meeting my outer because I had lost like a hundred pounds, but I still saw the bigger person. And so mm-hmm. just being around um, different people and um, I had an encounter with a, a guy pretty much that was um, from the islands and, you know, like not just, just him, but just so many like different guys were trying to talk to me. And I was like, wow, this is, this is very, very interesting. So this is what this feels like. Like when people mm-hmm. talk to you now, you know, cause I had never been the object of a guy's affection before. Cause I always thought I was too fat. And so right. when, when that happened and I had all this attention, I was like, oh, okay, this is what this feels like. And it like changed me. And so, you know, from that point forward, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm that deal because they see it. They can see something glowing in me. Now I can see it. And so that, those two factors met together and it was like, it was a done deal. So even like if I lose, if I lose weight, if I gain weight, cause now like I'm above the weight that I would like to be. But when I look in the mirror, I'm like, can't nobody tell me nothing because I'm that deal. Hello. Bye-bye. Boop, boop, boop. You know what I'm saying? Because of that moment. <laughs> So it doesn't matter like what size I am and, and you know, and I get it too because what's really interesting too is that a lot of people like write me off and count me off because I'm plus size or because I'm heavy because they automatically think that I'm I'm supposed to have low self esteem because I'm big and I'm totally the opposite. So and then when you get to talk to me and you get to know me, you see that. So it's really, really interesting. But that was the the point when I was like thirty two. And then also, you know, as black people, we don't go to counseling. Like, we don't see therapists, and we need to because we got some unresolved un, um, issues in our lives. You know, I had problems, yeah. you know, with my weight and, and, you know, daddy issues because my father, he wasn't as nurturing and loving as he needed to be. And, like, I had to work through that, you know, work. And that was the root of my self-esteem, too, that came from my father. A girl needs her father's love and needs to be validated by her father first before she can be validated by any man. So once I came to grips with that and, and, and had that conversation with my father, my inner beauty just blossomed because I had his validation. I worked that out and I talked it out, went to counseling, like all of those things are what got me on the road to loving myself and knowing exactly who I, who I am. Nice. Nice. I agree with you. People don't, don't take advantage of counseling. Uh-uh. And at all. Yeah. And even if not counseling, just talking about the issue um, with the people that you, you, you think may play a part in the reason why you have the issue. Exactly. 
Exactly. So I love that. Um, so basically, you know, it sounds like you said it wasn't until you were like around 32. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess when you felt like, I guess you totally had it all together, but that's, um, that's a long time. When did you, I guess, I guess is when you said like when, when you were ridiculed, I guess, is that when you really felt the low self-esteem or is that just when it all just started when, when people started to um, ridicule you? No, I, I think it's been like that all along because I just feel like no one ever accepted, you know, me for like being plus size or being like chunky. Mm-hmm. You know, was always, oh, look at the little fat girl, or you'd be pretty if you lost weight, like all of that foolishness. So that, like, messes mm-hmm. with you. If you eight years old and everybody is always telling you, oh, you'd be pretty if you lost some weight. What? <laughs> I'm not pretty. Oh, no, no, no. I'm fat. Or how about, or how about, no. you pretty for a black girl. pretty for a fat, yeah. We pretty mm-hmm. for a black girl. Same thing. Yep. A yep. fat girl. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. You say, oh, she's pretty for a fat girl. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they they was and it's the same thing as someone telling someone a darker hue sister, oh you pretty for yeah. a dark skin yep. girl. That yep. that messes mm-hmm. with you. So like that that whole that whole that, all of that contributed to my um self esteem issues. And because when you have that, you have to have somebody that balances that out. And so my parents would say that type of stuff too. So it wasn't a balance. I was getting it out in the outer world at school and in the in the neighborhood, and I also was getting it at home. It was always, mm-hmm. oh, you need to go on a diet. You need to lose weight. And so that contributed to, like, why I had issues. That was the reason, wow. you know? And the part that bothers me the most with this story and similar stories, and we see it all the time, it's like, you know, nobody knows before before all this mistreatment from people, who's to say that you didn't already feel a certain way about your weight? Or mm-hmm. maybe you maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you maybe you didn't mm-hmm. think anything about your weight. You know? But mm-hmm. who my problem is the people who make the comments, who ridicule you, who, who say bad things, that's the problem that I have with. It's because why is it why is it so important for you to say negative things or to speak negatively about someone who is who's dark or who who's 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 heavy or why is it important for you to even make those comments? That's the problem that I have. Right. 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 Who are but you? Where does that to... what, does, what does that mm-hmm. do for you? Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. um. I think I think that's one of the the biggest issues um when it to me when it comes to beauty is like um how do we stop that how do we right how do we put the message out that that right there you know is not it's not a good thing I think well, you know it, you can't stop people from doing that people are always going to be negative no. they're always going to talk trash you know, there it, it is really how you have to equip whoever you care about to defend themselves with that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have mm-hmm. to, you have to know how to be on the the offensive instead of the defensive. 
So instead of like if someone is coming at you like that, I mean, and it, it's just it's it's just what it is, you know. And and that was one thing I didn't know how to do when I was growing up. Like if somebody called me out my name, I didn't know how to like bounce back at them or say something hurtful to them to get them off of me. I didn't know how to do that until mm-hmm. I got older. You know, the way to get a bully is to embarrass a bully. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. you have to fight back with your words. And, and and that's just that's just life. That's just real life. Like if someone is messing you messing with you, if they don't have good home training or they don't know any better, they're going to do whatever they have to do. But you have to know how to defend yourself with your words. And and I'm going to teach my daughter how to do that. Like when somebody says something is crazy, you're not going to say anything bad to anybody starting off. But if someone says something to you, you have to know how to defend yourself from that. Because I wasn't taught to do that. I'm just like little nice, little naive girl. Oh, I think everybody's great. Nope. Right. <laughs> people are horrible. <laughs> yes. And you know we got a story about horrible people. You know what I'm saying? You know that yes, story. We, we ain't going to get into that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You gotta be on the no. You, you gotta be on the offense instead of the defense. You know what I'm saying? I'll always be on defense instead of offense. Nope, you gotta be on offense. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> That's so true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's no, it's so true. true. You just have to be on offense. Yeah. Cause you and you've been yeah. you've been on you've been on sets where you get on set and and somebody like is saying something crazy to you. And you can't, you mm-hmm. can't like just let it go. You have to check them. You're like, oh, you you feeling frisky today? Oh, you 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 might want to mind right. your own business. Thank you. You have to do that because if you don't, they're gonna keep picking with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Uh huh. So so true. Yeah. That is so true. I had to um, learn that the hard way. <laughs> yeah. Most most people do. Most people do. Mm-hmm. Learn mm-hmm. it the hard way. Do you mm-hmm. think? Um, do you think um, learning to to love yourself and to view yourself in a in a more positive way? Um, how do how do you when you think about how Hollywood defines beauty? Do you think that? Because um, I don't know exactly what age you started with the acting, but because I remember you said at 32 is when kind of things kind of started turning around. I started acting. I was 30. You were 30. So do you think mm-hmm. the way Hollywood defines beauty and how you, do you think that had a little bit to do by the time you became an actress before things started to turn around for you, were you constantly thinking about those images as well when you started acting? No, um, it's really interesting because when I moved to Hollywood, when I moved to LA, I realized that different from everybody else because everybody else was thin or, you know, long hair, fair skinned, and I was the total, I was the opposite. So I immediately stuck out from everybody else because everybody looks the same and everyone feels like they should look like that versus looking like me. So I knew that gave me a head, a, 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 a one up. Above everybody else And I also know that Hollywood loves um, Comedic African American Plus size actresses Mm -hmm. They do They do Like you always find someone that's plus size is African American making somebody They love that And, and I knew that too So it's just I have to get into the right doors To make that happen So the the Hollywood standard of beauty Never really fazed me Or never like really was an issue for me 
it didn't have anything to do with me, which is really, really interesting because I just knew that I was carving my own way and my own niche, you know, in Hollywood. So following on my own path and it really didn't affect me. So no, which is interesting. <laughs> what do you, that is interesting. Um, why do yeah. you think, why do you think Hollywood, Hollywood loves that? Um, like you said, heavier, you know, com- comedic um, actresses. Why do you think that? Probably, probably less threatening, um, mm-hmm. not as intimidating as, you know, like the strong type. And it might even be stereotypical. It might be characterization. Like all of that could fall into play. I, you know, I'm, I don't look into it deeply like that. But if I was, mm-hmm. I would say that's where my go-to would be just, you know, the typical, I guess, Aunt Jemima character, you know what I'm saying? Somebody's mm-hmm. non-threatening, it's off to the side, making people laugh, it's not really a threat. I would say that would be, like, if there was some deep pathology behind it, that would be my reasoning for it. But other than mm-hmm. that, I don't know. Um, I just know over time, it's always Nail Carter, uh, Monique, uh, who else? Mm-hmm. Uh, Thea Vidal, like, um, who else? It's the list go, um, Cleo King, the list goes on and on. Just always, there's always a plus size, uh, Retta, she's funny. Like there's always a plus size funny girl that's out here killing it. So Lizzo, you know, now, so Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't know why, but it's either like one extreme or the other, like either you're like Halle Berry or you're the plus size version. You know what I'm saying? It's all right. in between. Right. It's fewer and far between. <laughs> yeah, and that's true. not good. And, and and I think, you know, mm-hmm. with the onset of like all of the millennials doing TV, the Issa Rays and all of them, they're showing a whole nother gamut and facet of African-American culture that has everything in between versus the two spectrums, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. right. Wow. So what do you tell yeah. young up and coming what do you tell young up and coming actresses who or not even well yeah, up and coming actresses but then also young young girls who are not actresses, what do you tell them about self esteem and loving themselves? You have to love yourself before anybody else does. And you have to do the work to love yourself before anybody else does. Um, nobody should validate you. You should validate yourself. You know what I'm saying? Look in the mirror. Put post-it notes to say, I am beautiful. I am amazing. Um, I am that deal. I love myself. I walk, I walk, I put on my pants like everybody else. All of those affirmations will help you grow and to know that you are an amazing person. And you, you just have to start doing that young and doing it early. And like, don't listen to everybody else. Listen to yourself. Like, just tell yourself. If you tell yourself every day, I'm beautiful. I'm amazing. I'm phenomenal. You will believe that you're phenomenal and that you're amazing. Right. So, so what about so what about those young girls or or women? They're the same. But what about those yeah. who are who are caught up in social media and 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 you know and what they see in social media? Because you see a lot of women in social media who. You know, they're influencers. Well, they call themselves influencers, but I'm just really trying to figure out exactly what they're doing because all they do is show, you know, photos of themselves. They look beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, these manufactured bodies. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and even grown women now, there's so many women now who want more breasts, who want more butt. 
you know, because they're comparing themselves to these people. And, and they, they assume that these people are getting a lot of attention because they have all these followers and so forth. And so women are looking at other women. Little girls are looking at these grown women, and they're looking at other little girls who they, you know, they seem to think have it going on, but not necessarily. So it's, it's like how do you convince these young people as well as these grown women that, you don't need to compare yourself to this other person. You really don't know what's behind that photo. Like, you know what I mean? You really don't know where that person is mentally and emotionally, you know, but just because they look good, it doesn't mean that they feel good. Like, how do we, how do we pull ourselves out of that, you know, thinking that, oh, my gosh, you know, she's got it going on. She looks great. She's this. She's that. And you start to feel a little less about yourself. Not well, the other women. You know, I'm just asking. Yeah. No, no, no. I get it. First of all, social media is fake and don't believe anything you see on there. So let me make exactly. that disclaimer. <laughs> um, exactly. People like literally have photo shoots and they do get their makeup and their hair done to put these pictures and manufacture an image on social media to sell a product. They're selling a product, which is themselves their brand. So I get it. I'm a brand too. I don't really do all of that <laughs> because I really. Um, I took a a break from social media because it was just really overwhelming me and consuming my time. Like where I felt like I had to post something and to keep up with the Joneses to have all of these followers. I had to let that go. I'm not doing that anymore because I'm not enjoying my life and my daughter by putting all of that out there. So I would say advice to our young women out there or our, our young girls out there. Don't live your life. Get off of social media moderate watch and look facebook instagram twitter whatever in moderation because if you do it too much it it starts consuming you it starts like taking over your life where you feel like you have to be whatever you see in your phone and it's not real these people are not real they're hurting a lot of them have issues on the inside but they look good but you wouldn't think that but deep down inside they are struggling so i would say don't take it don't even take it serious spend the most of your time, spending time with your family, with your friends, the people that love you, and get off social media. So it's not mm-hmm. real. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Mhm. What would your What would your dream job be? My dream job would, would be, be playing. Dream? Say that one more time. Your dream role. Okay, my dream role would be playing um, a band director or a choir director in a comedy mm-hmm. on my own TV show, my own network comedy sitcom. Nice. I feel like that's coming also, soon. Oh, it is. I'm writing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. Nice. So you mentioned band director. Tell everybody why you said band director. Because I am a certified music teacher, and I was um, I play the clarinet, I play the tuba, so my degrees are in music. And I am a band director. I've been a band director ever since 2001, uh, high school, college, elementary, uh, the whole gamut. I used to be the assistant director of bands at Morehouse College 
and also Alcorn State University. So band is near and dear to me. I love the band. I was in the world famous Sonny Boom of the South Marching Band, Jackson State University. So uh, I love the band. I can never give it up, never leave it. So I would love to incorporate my love of band and my acting craft together. Nice. 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 And you know how everyone is always saying the future is female. Well, the future is now. I mean, the <laughs> I think I messed that up. <laughs> no, you didn't miss it. <laughs> the female is now, not the future. Um, so what would you like to see women do now today? I would like because women to support each other more. Yeah. And be positive and, 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 and lift one another up and not be so catty and in competition with one another. Like, love up on one another. Like, really genuinely care about your, your fellow woman next to you. Stop trying to compete with her and try to bring her down. Stop trying to steal her man. Like, get your own man. Like, love yourself right. enough to love your sister. So that's what I would like to see. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that was that was a lot said and, and I totally agree with you one hundred percent because um we don't do it. Nope. And I don't and I don't know why, but like you said, I love that when you just said love yourself enough to love your sister. Mm-hmm. I love that. And and yeah. that's really what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. agree with it. So besides <laughs> writing this, this besides writing this dream job, what's next for Mara Hall? Um, I'm still continuing to uh, get the word out about my co-star master class, which you can find on my website, mm-hmm. com. And I am currently working on turning my short film, Juicy Ladies, into a feature film and also another TV show. So I have to get back on that. I started it, but with Wrangle and Marley, it's a lot. So (laughs) my goal for the rest of this month is to finish that and then pitch it to UMC Network. Gotcha. Nice. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice, nice. So Marley is asleep right now? She is. She she goes to sleep at 7.30. Oh good. Oh good. So this was perfect. Okay, she should be good in sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she wakes up through the night sometimes. So, and I have my door closed, uh-huh. so I can't hear if she woke up. Because <laughs> every time I have an interview or something going on, she always wakes up. Oh okay. <laughs> no, Marla, you will not get in the way tonight. <laughs> right. Oh, I miss Marley. I know she's big now. She is. She was not. She and I'm pretty sure she's talking <laughs> a little bit now. She is. She's talking a mile a minute, saying things are nasty. Nasty. <laughs> she says all the time. Nasty. <laughs> Uh oh. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. Once they start that, it's it's on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, thank you 
so much, Mar. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing with us tonight. This was wonderful. I enjoyed your story. Thank you for having um, me. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we have to do this some other time. When you get these when you get these um, TV shows done, you're going to have to come back on and tell us about it. Hello. Absolutely. Because, I, you know, <laughs> the universe and God is, is telling me that's what I need to be doing instead of, like, chasing acting jobs, write my own stuff. That's what I'm going, the direction I'm going in. So, and it's a lot, okay. but I can do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. And, you know, and I, I strongly yeah. believe, I strongly believe in that, making making a way for yourself because you have the tools to do it. Mm-hmm. You have the tools to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We are Absolutely. looking for. Mhm. No, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, this has been a blessing. I really, really appreciate you guys asking me to do this. I feel like I'm coming down with a cold. Somebody drink some green um, tea. Please <laughs> <you, you> do <laughs> Right. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much again. Hug Marley for me. And um, we will chat with you soon. Okay. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank Thank you you. so much. Thank you, guys. um, Bye-bye. Thank you, guys, for tuning in with us tonight. We greatly appreciate it. Um, Mara did give out her website a little earlier. It's marahall.com. If you want to – if you're an actor out there and you want to know a little bit about – um, her master class, please make sure you go to her website. Uh, we did have a caller on air earlier um, that I didn't get a chance to bring on. I think he had a question about props he wanted to ask Mara about, so maybe he can um, go to uh, her website and contact her there. Uh, but, again, we've run out of time, so we will um, end right here. But I want my sister to um, tell everybody where you can follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook, we're Beauty Talk Online Radio, and then on Twitter, we're Beauty underscore Talk, and then on Instagram, we're Beauty underscore Talk underscore Media, Um, and you can follow Denise and I both on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, just simply by our names. I'm Denise Tunnell, that's D-E-N-I-S-E-T-U-N-N-E-L-L, and Denise Tunnell, J-A-N-I-C-E. T-U-N-N-E-L-L. All right. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Um, Meet us back here next Sunday night at 9 p.m. And we'll do it all over again. We greatly appreciate your support. Thank you to those who will listen on the playback. We appreciate you guys as well. Thank you for those who are listening um, from the phone lines and then those who are listening um, online. We greatly appreciate it. Have a wonderful evening and have a... um, blessed week. Good night, everybody. Good night.